Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I'll start by saying I have a terrible biological father. He's been a shady person all my life and constantly caused me a lot of grief. This is just one of those examples. When I was four, my parents split up. My mother and I moved states and they agreed that I would visit my dad every school holidays for a week. For this one particular time, I had been with him for a few days when I was playing with my cousin at a nearby park. A car pulled up and I recognized the man as one of my dad's friends. He called me over and without thinking, I ran over and left my cousin at the park He asked me if I could show him where my dad lived and I agreed and got in his car. I gave directions and didn't notice at all that they weren't following them correctly. Looking back, I didn't really know the way anyhow. After way too long, I did realize that we were getting closer to the city which is far from my dad's house. We pulled up at a house I didn't recognize and the man told me to wait in his car. I did. I didn't feel scared at all for some reason. He eventually took me inside and I definitely started to feel unsafe then. I mainly remember two girls passed out with their tops off and a much older man was feeling them up everywhere. I made eye contact with this man and he made me sick to my stomach. I had definitely figured out that this was a bad situation by this point. A lady took me into a bedroom and brought me a sandwich. The bread was stale and I wasn't hungry but I ate it all because I felt bad for her which doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's what I was thinking about. The lady told me a lot of things I didn't understand, but when she left, I remember thinking my dad was coming to pick me up soon. I fell asleep waiting for him. I went to bed that night, and no one came to see me the next day until I cried very loudly and banged on the door. The lady came back and yelled at me for stinking up her bedroom, and I asked about my dad. She said that he was coming tonight after he finished work. She didn't offer me a shower or a bath, so I sat in my soiled pants all day. After that, everything turned into a just a blur, really. My dad didn't come that night, and I was really terrified, obviously. In my head, I felt like I was there for months. I thought that I was missing school, and everyone had forgotten about me. In reality, I was there for like five days, and they let me take one shower. I don't remember eating much except for boring sandwiches and I had chips and gravy once. Finally though, my mum drove across the country to come and get me. After not being able to get a hold of me or my dad for so long and then me missing my pre-booked flight home, she panicked and came looking for me. And 
Thank God that she did. She found my dad at his girlfriend's house, methed out completely hiding out. It turns out he owed a lot of drug money to the people who had taken me. They had told him that they had me, but he couldn't afford it or didn't want me back, whatever it was. The point is, is that he didn't bother to try and get me back. My amazing mum paid his debt for him after borrowing from a lot of people, and she came to get me back. I remember when someone came into that room and told me that my mum was here, and I walked out and I could smell her. It was the best feeling to feel safe again like that, and she took me home and I didn't see my dad again for a long time after that. She never called the police, my parents' relationship was very complicated back then, and I fully understand the choices that she made. I'm definitely okay now. I've spoken about this in therapy, and I've come to terms with most of the things that I went through as a child. But still, it's a messed up situation for a four-year-old girl to have to be in, right? Anyway, I'm grateful that I got out of there pretty much unscathed, and I'm thankful for my mum. So, let me get a couple of things straight. Our little village was the kind of place where everybody knows everyone, and I could count the amount of houses on two hands. We were a really quiet and close-knit community, and nothing ever really happened there. A proper out-in-the-stick sort of stuff. But one night, a few years ago, my mum and my stepdad had gone out to this concert and left me in charge of my little brother and the dog. I wasn't very old, about 14, but I felt really proud that my parents trusted me enough to do that. I thought that I was a pretty cool big brother and I thought that we'd be doing cool babysitter stuff like staying up late, eating pizza, etc. And I'm kind of glad that we did because I don't know what would have happened if we hadn't. At about 10.30 the power cut out. I didn't think anything about it at first because the weather hadn't been great lately and I figured that that had something to do with it. I got some candles out of the cupboard and I lit them and put some of my favorite songs on. As soon as I sat back down, Sonny, my little brother, turned to me and, being the weird little kid that he was, told me very calmly that somebody was apparently outside. I was a little perturbed by him, but the dog hadn't done anything, so I presumed it was just the neighbors or something. He just shrugged and went back to his drawings. There's a bit of a running joke in our house that you don't actually need a clock with the dog around because he's such a creature of habit that he will constantly get up at exactly the same time every night to tell you that it's time to initiate his nightly go-to-bed protocol. And it was about three quarters of an hour after the power went out when my dog decided that now was that time. I told Sonny to go get the dog his biscuit while I let him out for a pee. Now, our kitchen is an extension to the original house. And so, as such, has a flat roof that's comparatively low to the ground, compared to the rest of the house that is, and offers easy access to the bathroom window. As I open the door so the dog could do its thing, Sonny pushes past me in the doorway and whispers, I know you're out there and I'm calling the police. As he turned around with the biggest, proudest smile you'd ever seen on his face, there was a very distinct rustling coming from just above the doorway. I don't think I'll ever forget the way Sonny's face dropped when he looked just above my head. I looked up. The man sitting on the roof above me panicked, tried to kick me, and then ran off into the next door neighbor's garden, and presumably into the cornfield surrounding our village. I was obviously scared to the bone, and Sonny was bawling his eyes out. I ushered him inside as quickly as I could, and I got a knife from the kitchen. We both went to his room and I told him to try and get some sleep while I waited for our parents to come back. We both went to his room and I told him to try and get some sleep while I waited for our parents to come back. It was an agonizingly long four hours before they did. My stepdad immediately went outside to check to see if everything was alright. I heard them talking about how something had smashed the fuse box. Obviously, we then called the police but they didn't come until later that day. They did a search of the immediate premises and they actually found a makeshift bed in a nearby disused barn along with pictures of silhouettes of us in the shower through the frosted glass window. 
I think it's pretty safe to say that the whole experience definitely shook us up. We moved out as soon as we could, but I still shut curtains wherever I go, and I see shadows underneath every door that I see. I think that it's affected me long term. Sonny keeps quiet about it, but I'm not sure if that's just because his brain has cut it out, or what. Ever since I can remember, there's this kind of energy around my dad's house. The feeling of being watched or not being alone is a regular one. Everyone who lives there can feel it, but have learned to somehow accept or at least ignore it. There are tons of stories from guests and households, including closing doors, objects moving and strange noises. I compiled three personal stories to share with you, and this is what happened. So when I was 13, my grandfather died, unfortunately, and in the following months, once a day, I felt as if somebody entered my room, checked everything around, and just sort of left. It's difficult to explain, but I always told myself it was my granddad just making sure I was alright, and it gave me some peace of mind. That was the only really good paranormal experience I've had here, and everything else has been, well, a lot more creepy. Now, I know it's not a story per se, but I would like to mention that I've had sleep paralysis here. I had been in this house and in my already deceased grandfather's bedroom for some time at that point. But fast forward to when I was 21 and I visited my dad and stayed in the guest room since my old room was turned into a studio. This room has the bed against the wall that separates it from the hall, so I could hear everything that happened there. Sometime in the middle of the night, I started hearing noises like some kind of heavy furniture being moved. I scratched it up to just being house noises though, but then it got a bit worse. Steps could be heard in the hall and besides me, the only person in the house was my dad whose bedroom was next and in the opposite direction from the sound the footsteps were coming from. The next thing I heard was the door handle moving frantically up and down as if someone was trying to open the door and as soon as I turned the lights on, the movement stopped. Now that I was sure that I wasn't imagining it, I locked the door and went back to bed with the lights still on. And not even two minutes later, the door handle started to rattle again, but even more violently this time. I could see the metal plaques that held it together being separated from the door itself, and that's when I started to scream for my dad. It took me a good minute to open the door for him when he got there, and I'm not ashamed to say that I took my mattress to his room and I slept there that night. In the morning, my dad and I checked the door handle and the screws and they had actually been loosened from all the rattling. A couple of days later, I called my grandmother, who also lives at the house but was away on a trip, to tell her what had happened. Turns out that she had experienced the same thing in the same bedroom months before. Needless to say, I never slept alone when I visited the following years, and I always slept and stayed with my grandma in her room. Back when I was in the third grade, there was a hill with a playground at the top. One day, while everybody was playing at the park, as it was recess, this middle-aged man wearing nothing but cargo shorts came to the bottom of the hill and leaned over a fence that was there. He then began to call the kids over to him, and when the kids came over, he wrapped them up in blue tape, mainly around their hands. This went on for about 15 minutes when the fourth grade science teacher, the saint that she is, began to run down the guy. Now, this woman can be very intimidating when she wants to be. She later became the principal, in fact. But anyway, the second this guy saw her, he walked away. He obviously didn't care about getting caught, but the whole situation was a weird one, and when I reflect back on it, it seems obvious that this guy was trying to kidnap a whole bunch of kids. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, 
or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. This may be a bit of a ramble of thoughts, but after recently stumbling upon this place, I finally felt like I'd found a place where I could offer something that my family and I experienced a few years ago that, to this day, gives me the creeps. I've been camping, solo backpacking, and hunting my whole life in Oregon, and felt comfortable in the woods and have a deep respect for nature. A few years ago, my wife and daughter and two German shepherds went camping north of Mount Jefferson, Oregon. I have included the coordinates of our campsite, which we found to be the perfect setup for us, and our two dogs too, who need the privacy since they are pretty intimidating to other dog owners and can be loud when spooked. It was not an established campsite, just a nice horseshoe off of a USFS road that had flat ground full trees and a fire pit. The first night, my daughter wanted to sleep by herself in a two-man tent right next to ours. It was maybe uh, uh, two feet away, I would guess, from me and my wife's tent. We made the male German Shepherd, Guts is his name, sleep with her in the tent. That whole first night, neither my wife or I could sleep for some reason, because well, we both could have sworn that we heard footsteps and uh, they were heavy, not like typical forest critters scampering around in the night. I was well armed because I was paranoid from reading recently before departing about a dad in California who was shot and killed in a tent next to his two infant daughters. Needless to say, both my wife and I had two pistols and my rifle with me. The dogs are great at detection and that's why I felt my daughter could sleep alone because Guts is completely fearless and nothing would lay a hand on her without a battle to the death. But all in all, nothing but bad vibes and loud footsteps occurred that night which I ultimately decided was deer or maybe some sort of an elk. Day two, morning, we go for a walk down the road and maybe 300 feet away see the circle area in the photo. I see an abandoned road where a rusted gatepost, a gate was missing, was covered in vegetation. Something of blue color caught my eye and Guts immediately takes off running down this abandoned road. My heart begins to race because I think it's another family camping like us and he's going to get himself shot or scare some innocent people to death so I chase after him as fast as I can and the rest follow. He stops after 20 feet into the road and me yelling his name but I've covered just enough distance to see that there's nobody there and something is really off about this site. I yell out, Hello? Is anyone there? Sorry about the dog. I got no response. My curiosity gets the best of me and I have to see what the sight conditions were. As I got closer I know something is wrong though. It had all the necessities for a campsite including a cooler, propane burner, tent, blankets, folding table but every single item had been just completely destroyed, smashed and torn from what appeared to be claw marks. We all walked around in circles, puzzled why anyone would leave all the camping gear behind, including an expensive REI tent. I figured, well, someone left in a hurry and animals got to the rest as the only logical explanation. Still, a propane tank and cooler were flattened by something. It certainly wasn't snowpack with tree coverage in that spot. As the afternoon rolls in and me and my daughter are playing ball at the campsite and my wife goes walking maybe 70 feet north to do her business, I don't have a direct line of sight on her but all of a sudden I see Guts make a mad dash straight towards her. Normally he would always be with me unless he's called over and she didn't call for him. His speed and focus caught my attention though and I knew immediately that something weird was going on so... I ran over there and my wife starts jogging at me and I immediately draw my pistol. Guts has completely continued running in the forest another hundred feet before I call him and he stopped. My other dog Leah, who never misses the opportunity to be the pack leader, is not taking point. I 
I've had her for seven years and this was the first time in her life, honestly, that she refused to leave my daughter's side. She was full hair raised though and also attached to us at the hip. Again, any time that we hike or play, Leah is up front bossing everyone in her path and pauses to look to see where we were and continues. I asked my wife what happened and she said, Oh, I, I was trying to pee and all of a sudden I, I just felt all my hairs raise and I just knew that somebody was watching me and then I saw guts running towards me and I just got up to move towards you. We spent 10 minutes looking for signs of anything but saw no trails, no broken branches, nothing to point to what and where something went. So we just decided that we're spending one more night since it's too late to pack up and drive but we'll all be in the big tent together tonight. Before we go to bed though I put a rope with a makeshift coin alarm around the perimeter of our campsite. I actually used a mint can and some coins and keys from our truck and zip tied it so anything hitting the rope gave a little jingle. Very unsophisticated but it put my wife at ease. As I go to tie my last corner off at the tree near our tent our third mystery item unveils itself because it looks like someone has done the same exact thing that I've done with a rope that was so old and brown that I didn't see it at first. It was broken and only had a few pieces remaining but sure enough it was tied at roughly the same height, 8 to 10 inches off the ground and even had a few rusted washers on it. I immediately felt like somebody had stayed here before and put the same makeshift warning system on the same tree that I had maybe 10 or 15 years ago based on the condition of the rope. Perhaps my paranoia has now reached a new height but I had to make sure the girls felt that we were safe and at the time the only thing that I could think of was when the evening came around. I made them sit in the truck and I fired a clip of my 45 into the dirt as a signal to whatever was out there that we were armed. I reassured the girls that anybody listening to that now knows that we have two wolves and are armed and we're too risky of a target so we can sleep safely. That night we heard no footsteps and the dogs never perked up and barked but we left early the next morning Fast forward to today and I watched the Amazon Missing 41100 documentary and I noticed the cluster smack dab close to where we actually camped that weekend. And it was at this point that a flood of dread rushes over me as I think of that mysterious abandoned campsite with the ripped tent and the smashed cooler in the cookup. We've been camping since then and have enjoyed the beauty of NW many times but there was something there at that place that possibly took or harmed somebody else less than 300 feet away from where we camped and we all thank our lucky stars that Guts was doing his thing so well that afternoon. So I'm a very very active skater and I often go out to street spots to try and skate them. A lot of the time I meet some less than unsavory people but this time it just took the cake. So it's around 6.30pm, perfect day for skating and I'm just getting a spot around a public park called Rosa Park Circle. I was doing my thing when this tall man came up to me and told me that I was doing a good job. The creepy man said that his name was Jay and I said that my name was Satan, trying to be a jackass. He said... Hey, you're doing a really good job. Oh, thanks. I've been working on my skating for a while now and I think I'm doing a really good job recently. I tend to trust people too much. Yeah, I can see that. My name's Jay. I'm 55 years old and I'm bi. At this point, I kind of knew what was coming. I'm pretty good at detecting people's implications, thankfully. Throughout this entire conversation, he kept mentioning his sexuality and... I tried my absolute best to just try and get out of the conversation when I could. I was trying to do a few tricks down a small ledge. The guy was just staring at me while I was doing it. And I must admit that it felt really uncomfortable. He pulled me aside one more time and this is what he said. Listen, I really like you. I know you're only 15 but as long as you can send, we, we can still hook up, okay? Um, no we can't. I'm only 14 and the consent age is 16. Plus, 
I'm not really comfortable with the things that you're saying and I need to go home anyways. It was nice meeting you, but I need to go. Okay, but remember not to tell anybody, okay? This happened today and obviously I told my parents. After they get off the phone with my sister, they're going to be making a police report about this man. I was pretty livid on my way home and it didn't help that my entire playlist on YouTube is full of hard rock. So in other words, I was kind of steaming when I got home. I did go back to skate there again as well and wouldn't you know it. He told me that we were such good friends and that he was drunk and that he was really sorry and all that. But I just skated past and looped around and took a picture. I think he was still drunk because he straight up rattled off his name. But thankfully me and my mum were on the phone with a detective recently and they're apparently going to follow it up. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I was 18 years old and worked in a more clothing store. I usually worked the night shift, which meant leaving the store between 9 or 9.30 p.m. None of us really thought anything about calling out goodnight and walking out to our cars alone. Usually the parking lot was full of all the other workers leaving at the same time anyway. But on this particular night... I was in a great mood. I'd had a good evening at work and was going to meet up with my boyfriend when I got home, so I was just smiling and thinking to myself as I walked. When I got to the curb in front of the mall exit door to check for oncoming cars before I crossed over to where my car was parked, and it wasn't that far away, maybe 10 spaces from the front, I glanced up to verify where my car was, and I caught the eyes of a man sitting in his truck. He was wearing a cowboy hat pulled down lower over his eyes as though trying to conceal his face, but he was staring intently right at me. Of that much I was sure. I literally froze in place. I've never felt fear like I did in that moment. I snapped out of my trance though and I ran as fast as I could past his truck into my car which was only a few spaces away. This was before key fobs so I needed my keys to unlock the door. I always made fun of scary movies when the girl ran and sort of dropped the keys trying to get in, but it really does happen that way sometimes. I was shaking so badly that I couldn't even get the key in the door and then I dropped the damn things. But seconds later I was sitting in the car and shaking so badly that I just had to sit there a moment or two before I could drive off. He hadn't chased me, he didn't leave, but he did continue to just sit there. Later in the evening, after I had finally calmed down, I felt like an idiot, thinking that I must have gotten scared by somebody's husband picking up his wife after work or something. The next day, I went back to work, same night shift, and told everybody at work what had happened and how scared I had been. I sort of made fun of myself for being such a chicken, but I made sure that somebody walked out with me later that night. I stood at the door of the mall ready to run back in if I saw anything off, but... He wasn't there this time. I sort of exhaled and my friend and I went to our cars, relieved that everything was going to be okay. The following day at work, there was no talk of my fright from two nights ago and it was business as usual pretty much. About halfway into my shift, the manager walked up to me and said that she actually needed to speak with me. She turned around and walked up to the cop that I had not noticed was in the store now but curiously, I walked over and my manager wanted me to tell the cop about what had happened. I felt silly telling him for some reason because nothing had really happened. 
but when I finished telling him my story, he started asking questions about the truck. Did I know what model it was? Exact color? Did I know the year? I finally said something about how I didn't want to get anyone in trouble that I just freaked out a little bit and it was no big deal. But then the cop explained that the night before, one of the ladies leaving for the night had actually been kidnapped, driven around to the back of the mall into an unlit area, and was beaten and... Well, you get the rest. I felt myself get lightheaded and my vision went back for a moment with it dawning on me that I had actually seen this guy. Her guy was not wearing a cowboy hat. That was the only difference in our descriptions though. And that was the beginning. Our city now had a serial rapist and it took them years to finally catch him. In the end too, it was actually his wife that figured out it was her husband and turned him in. That was a really scary time too and the women were terrified to be out alone after dark. At our mall and I imagine at the others as well, no one was allowed to leave alone. The mall parking lot was now lit up 360 and they had security on site making sure that we were all safe. We also started a chain call between the stores to let one another know if you saw anyone that made you suspicious or frightened so that everyone would be on guard. I must admit though that I've always felt a little bit guilty for that woman being attacked like that. I mean, maybe I could have done something if I had spoken up earlier. So I got back from Iraq not too long ago and I thought that I would share my experiences. We get into the country and it's nothing big, just doing our jobs in the deserts. Due to the nature of my job or mission, I was confined to the FOB. I worked nights the whole tour, so my work hours were 9pm to 9am. As you can imagine, I slept during the day. Now, the base was a premier duty station for the Iraqi military. It was built in the 70s or 80s to accommodate the expanding army under Saddam's rule. So Gulf War 91 happens and we bombed it out. 03 we invade again and guess what? bombed out and then occupied until 2011 when given back to the Iraqis. 2014 bombed out again because ISIS took over it and was using it as a death camp. Olympic swim pools on location were full of bodies and there was a steamroller used for running people over. 2014 now occupied by the Iraqi army. And so, as you can imagine, this could be a hotbed of stuff. So the first occurrence, it was about a month into our tour and I was dead asleep in my room. We sleep in a 6x6 room with a roommate. I was fortunate enough to never see him since we had opposite shifts. I was wrecked out with my back to the center of the room and I woke up to a sort of slight touch or grab to the back of my arm. I rolled over to see that it was a 6 foot 4 looking all black shadow standing 6 feet from me. I actually wear glasses and my vision is absolutely awful sometimes, so assuming it was one of my soldiers waking me up, I roll back over after putting on my glasses and when I do, nothing was there. So tripped out, I got a hold of my roommate and he chalks it up to some bad dream and so did I. Two months go by and business as usual. I go to work at nine and my roommate settles in. Taking advantage of him being alone, he attempts to masturbate one night too. After finishing, he sits up trying to clean up and head up to the shower, and the ambient light of his headlight lights up my end of the room. He notices something out of the corner of his eye though, and looks to see what he said was a big-ass guy, big like its feet portion were hanging off our bed. It's like a college dorm-sized twin bed, and apparently it was all black. So, pretty much a shadow dude laying on my bed. He said fight or flight hit him and because he was cleaning off after masturbating, he froze up. After looking away and back again when trying to find the actual light switch, it was gone. So he believed it after that and thought that it wasn't just a dream. We told our PSG, platoon sergeant, at Chow the next day and he was amused and sort of interested too. He's a believer in the paranormal and decided to speak his part. According to him, at this point in the tour, about three months in, he's seen someone leave my room at odd times in the middle of the day, times that I'm sleeping, and walk to the room across from us. 
The thing about the room across though is that it had a padlock plywood door and was always locked because the guys who slept there were in Syria, so much of the gear that they had to leave behind was still in there. You can't actually get in without hopping the plywood walls. And anyway, that was the extent of the creepy stuff with my living space. I don't know if it was a gin or whatever you call it, but my interpreter said that it probably was since it kept getting close to me and manifested physically. If I could describe it, I guess it would look similar to the shadow dude captured on the Ghosts of Carmel Main YouTube channel. Not spot on because I saw the shadow silhouette of a rather jacked and tall person instead of that. But the next occurrence was weird. So I was taking a crap in the porch johns at night and you'd hear footsteps or whispers around you sometimes. Know too that when you're in there next to the watchtower, that's 150 to 300 meters away from another group of soldiers, it's at 3am, there's nobody awake to mess with you except the other guy in the tower. He can't actually abandon his watch since he's covering. The third thing that happened was also weird. I attended a sleep aid class with the medics and whatnot since I was having trouble sleeping soundly and in the group there were soldiers waking up with bad dreams and with scratches on them sometimes, some of which were bad enough that they bled too and it dried during their sleep though. They only discovered it after they woke up to bloody sheets. Nobody really ever said anything about this though, other than the medics asking if he needs to take a look at it. But the entry point guys who made a big gate with obstacles would also hear commotions like banging on the metal at the main gate at night. Men would go to check it out, but nothing would ever come of it. The towers would report people walking in the open area around the perimeter at night. Some would notice something in their night vision or in the darkness that their eyes adjusted to, but when the sergeant on guard or other response elements would check it, there would be nothing there. Perhaps one of the spookier things though was a woman screaming was reported from towers in the vicinity of a bombed out bunker and also an abandoned half destroyed building on the far end of the FOB. SOG responded and we had no personal report of a, a rape or an assault or anything. Yes that happens out there and nobody came up missing or astray either. The tower didn't report anyone in the area either other than SOJs and relief around that time. There's my spooky experiences from Iraq that some of you guys might be interested in. Feel free to leave some questions in the comment section below and I'll see if I can get to them. Thanks for listening. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I used to deliver pizzas when in college and I delivered this order to this house and the guy opened the door and was like, honey, the pizza is here. But the house was obviously empty, like nothing in this house. No furniture, no rugs, no nothing, literally just floor and walls. It was a, a massive place too and abandoned, no noise whatsoever. But the guy told me to come in while he goes to get his wallet and he asks me to stand in a very specific spot and tells me don't move. Then he locks the door and then he walks to another room to get his wallet and keeps looking back at me. I'm waiting for like 10 minutes and nothing. I walk towards the corner the guy went to and get close to this door and 
I hear the guy talking about me, like physically talking, describing me and keep saying it'll be easy. And that was when I bolted, found the back door, hopped the fence and I quit that very day. I never delivered anything ever again after that too because, well, that was just too much for me. During this time, I was going to grad school in Texas and visiting my family in Kansas City. I had just finished my visit and was driving back to Texas. I'd started my drive and about an hour in, unfortunately, I got a flat tire. I called my dad and he told me to call roadside assistance and that he would be there with the AAA card as soon as he could. He got there, roadside assistance put my spare on, and we went off to the nearest Walmart to get my tires replaced. The nearest Walmart was about 20 miles away as we were in a pretty rural part of Kansas. I was following my dad, driving about 55 miles per hour since I was on a spare. There weren't a lot of cars on the highway, but basically just me and my dad. My dad was actually a little bit ahead of me, so I don't think that it was apparent that I was following him. But somewhere along the drive, I noticed a, a dark-colored SUV behind me. He was flashing his lights at me, swerving onto the shoulder and then back into his lane, accelerating so that he was really close to my car, and then he would fall back a bit. From the time that I noticed him, he did this for about four or five miles, which is a really long time when you're in that moment. I was about to call my dad because I felt like this was incredibly strange and very dangerous. Like I said, it was a pretty rural area and there were no cars around. If this guy was upset that I was driving slowly, he could have just gotten into the left lane and passed me, but he continued to flash his lights, tailgate me, and swerve onto the shoulder again. At this point, my dad saw what was happening, took an exit, and parked on the shoulder of the exit. I followed. The exit was not the one that we needed to take. It was a rural exit onto a gravel road, and I don't think it's used very frequently. Lo and behold, the guy followed me as well. I pulled him behind my dad, who was already out of his car with his arms in the air saying, what the hell? At this point, I think the guy finally realized that I wasn't truly alone. He uh, slowed down a bit, looked at both of us, and hesitated for a second, and then he just took a hard left onto the gravel road and took off. At this point, I thought about trying to get his license plate, but it was a bit too late for that. The dust from the gravel road made it pretty much impossible to see his license plate anyway. I still kind of kicked myself for not looking at his license plate sooner. But anyway, it was a situation that just really frightened me. We did call the police to report it, but there really wasn't much that they could do since, well, we didn't have any license plate number or any identification. However, I did learn that if I'm ever in this situation again, that I should call Highway Patrol and not 911. Apparently, when you're on the highway, you travel through so many jurisdictions that it's better to just call Highway Patrol directly. Maybe it's common sense, but it wasn't something that I'd thought about before. But ever since that day, I've always had the number for Highway Patrol on my phone, just in case I ever need to use it. In the end, nothing really happened, and I'm grateful for that, but I'm sure glad that my dad was there that day, because if he wasn't, I don't know what would have happened. So this happened in uh, 2016, and this is the first time that I've ever spoken publicly about it. I also can't confirm what it was definitely, always try to squash paranormal experiences with science and logic and stuff so I'll understand if you don't believe it but I just can't explain this one and based on the circumstances I I think it was a gin or something else supernatural and yes I, I know it's possible that I did this to myself somehow but why have I never done it before or again since it's just really strange so, I've been looking up a lot of videos on jinns and stuff lately, the Islamic term for genie or demon kind of, and it's primarily about military folks that have experienced things. 
and I've always been fascinated with these creatures, ever since I, unfortunately, think I encountered one. For context, I'm American and first became exposed to the concept of jinns after living abroad in Muslim societies. I'm non-Muslim and non-religious, for your interest, but I thought that I would add that. But the most profound exposure was when I first went to Kashmir. I was invited by a friend and was staying at a home. If you don't know the history of Kashmir, then you should probably know that it's the most militarized zone in the world and has had a lot of bloodshed over the years. As beautiful as it is, it's also just very eerie as a result. I don't really know how to describe it either, other than being very creepy at night with just lots of weird sounds. Outside the city and being in the Himalayas, there's lots of woodlands where the jinns supposedly prefer to live. Anyway, while staying with my friend, I noticed things would happen to me at night, like my legs or arms would randomly be pulled. I thought maybe I was just sort of jolting myself awake at first, but it happened multiple times each night and was really out of character for me. Then one night, I felt like I'd been choked awake. I was really shocked and sort of confused by this one. And the next morning, I finally opened up to my friend and her sister about what I'd been experiencing. They told me that because I would sleep in only underwear and a t-shirt at night, it was hot weather at the time, I was possibly attracting a djinn or their house angel, Persinder or something like that. The house angel could be jolting me awake as a way to warn me about wearing pants where I could then attract a djinn. Obviously, I was very skeptical, but I decided to wear the pants anyway, and the weird jolting, I must admit, it stopped. A few days later, we decided to visit a rural scenic area of Kashmir. My friend's cousin, my now husband, yes, I did meet him here and we fell in love, took us there. But when we entered, I just started to feel extremely ill. It's hard to describe, but I felt really lightheaded. Like, I couldn't breathe and an overwhelming sense of dread or anxiety hit me. I honestly felt like crying and I wanted to turn around. We chalked it up to the higher altitude, but I had been to other areas with an even higher altitude at this point in the previous days and had always felt fine. After sitting in a restaurant for some time, though, I finally felt better and we went on exploring the mountains. So I was frolicking in the hills with my now husband and we were just kissing. First no-no. A bit later I had to pee so I found a bush and I did my thing. For those Muslims that might be hearing this, I know. Bear in mind I didn't know anything about this stuff and my husband didn't think to warn me. Because let me tell you, you should never pee outdoors, especially in areas like this because it's very possible that you'll pee on them or their home or something and then they get angry so yeah this is where things started to go downhill i returned back to the uk where i was studying at the time a few days later i remember feeling just absolutely horrible for some reason i was vomiting and just feeling really hazy i assumed at first that it was just jet lag and went to sleep and i actually slept for like 11 hours not even waking up to pee once. When I finally woke up the next day, I hopped in the shower and my body just started to burn. Like, really burn. I was really confused as well as to why my body was burning like this, so I quickly hopped out and I looked in the mirror. And there were really deep, sort of curved, some in threes, which I've heard as an ode to the devil, scratches all over my chest, my breast, and my stomach. And man did they hurt. And were even a bit bloody as well. I later found out too when my friend looked for me and took some pictures that they were also all over my back and right above my butt. The one above my butt was one downward curve and then two small horizontal curves inside of it. And they were in this sort of awkward place where I honestly don't think that I could have done it to myself. I also didn't even have the nails to make such deep and intense scratches. I'm a very light sleeper too and I just don't know how I could have done that level of damage to myself. 
Anyway, I showed it to all my friends and they were all deeply disturbed and believed too that there's just no way that I could have done it to myself. I immediately told my husband to be and he told me to recite some verses from the Quran that protect you from these jinns. And it was believed that I picked up a jinn in the place that we were at and that it attached itself to one of the items that I brought from there. And, interestingly enough, reading from the Quran seemed to stop further activity. Now, I've been to Kashmir many times since and refused to return to that place. Also, the scratches have never happened again. Of course, I sometimes scratch myself, but they're always very minimal and nothing like that. I even tried to recreate the curved scratches at one point and I just couldn't. And so, to be completely honest with you guys, I still have no idea how all those scratches got there. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.